0: Welcome to another episode of Fabricators Coach Podcast. We're sort of in the middle of our series of episodes about selling your fab shop business. We just wrapped up three episodes talking with Aaron Crowley about the experience he went through recently selling his business. And I hope you got some really good takeaways from there. If you haven't listened to those podcasts, you may want to go back and, and catch those up either before you listen to the next three episodes or, or afterwards. Or you can intermix them however you want to do it. But what we're going to move into today is we're going to talk with a fellow named Chase Busenbark. Um Chase is a certified business broker. He also grew up in the strong business, so he knows this industry. So with Chase, we've got three different episodes set up with him. The first episode is talking about the decision to sell. How do you prepare for that? How do you prepare logistically for selling? What are some things you need to know about that? The second episode, we'll talk a little more in depth about the sales process itself, so you kind of know what to expect there. And then the last episode, we're going to get into some of the details of how your business is valued, what the business valuation looks like, that process, and hopefully give you some ideas for how you can come up with a good estimate for your business today, what your business is worth today. And we're going to wrap up with talking about post-sale considerations, and things you may want to think about now before you list your business for sale. Because there's, there's some interesting things that a lot of folks haven't thought about what happens after you've sold your business. So we'll talk a little bit more about Chase's background, his qualifications. Uh, unlike Aaron's conversations, Aaron and I, again, kind of get into things, and, and it's not always real well structured. With Chase, we kept things very well structured, so it'll be pretty straightforward, hopefully easy to follow. So, uh, let's talk with Chase and see what he's got to offer for us. So Chase, welcome to the podcast. And if you would just tell us a little bit about your background, kind of how you got into being a business broker and uh, how you relate to the, uh, this crazy countertop business.
1: Thank you for having me here today. Ed. I do appreciate that. Um, yeah. So my, my family's been a part of the industry for close to 20 years. I, I, uh, I take you back a little bit further, but the. To keep it in kind a of brief, my great grandpa, he started sanding hardwood floors. And once carpet came out, uh, everybody wanted carpet throughout the whole house, right? So that was whether it was in the kitchens or bathrooms or, uh, everywhere. So my grandpa started the flooring portion. And then, uh, 20 years ago, my dad, he said, Chase, we're going to go, on, you know, we're going to take a family vacation here. And, uh, we, we, he would go stop at other shops. And, uh, you look at, look at other shops. So, so called family vacation turned into a lot of work, but it was, uh, it's definitely worth it now. He's still running that business and, it uh, which got me into the business brokerage side of actually helping people sell a business whenever the time is right for them. So.
0: Um, so so you've worked in the countertop business um, what was it that drove you to to look at something outside the business and specifically to get into business brokerage
1: large family business uh, he's got a couple brothers in the business which is a very diverse business we sell trailers we do flooring we do the countertop manufacturing side uh, nice business very very large business probably close to a hundred employees Um but I also wanted to kind of see what else is out there and do something on my own. And I know the industry very, very well. And it's something that I find intriguing. And then if I could also help, you know, business owners in this space with knowing the background. I'm starting at a, uh, you know, a grant fabrication shop that we were manual at one time. I saw that portion of it. Uh, I've been there whenever we, you know, got the first CNC we got the second, when we got the third, when we got the fourth. So I've seen the entire process from a smaller shop and then, uh, and then growing through those 20 years of, of, of,
0: business. Good deal. That's great experience. I think, uh, for our listeners, um, you know, for, for in this industry, I think having that type of experience when it comes to selling a business and also understanding the nature of this industry, I think that's really helpful. Um, you are a certified business broker, correct? Correct. And uh who do you work with? What's the name of the company? Are you, are you your own company or are you part of a, a larger organization?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I did some research on that and uh I thought about doing it myself and after doing a lot of research, I you know, I interviewed with a smaller outfit that um was private, but they probably had five other brokers. i, I looked into some larger franchises. I opted to go with the uh franchise ed because I know I was gonna be at a national level helping business owners across the country. So I thought what better way to, to expose myself, get myself out there, but also help the business seller, whenever it's time for them to sell, get the most exposure possible. So I also work, we have uh, monthly meetings with, with other brokers, probably close to 80 different broker owners across the country. And then a lot of those broker owners also have some employees that, that are in the industry as well. So, um, yeah, I, I yeah. opted to go with. First choice. It's, it's still a family owned business. I like that aspect of it, but they're on the larger side of family owned business.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, good. That, uh, that way if somebody were to list with you, then they've got really good exposure, not limited geographically. And that, that can be a big benefit. Um, as you and I have talked about how to set these episodes up and we're not real sure yet whether this will be one or four or five episodes. We'll break them up as it makes sense and try to keep them to about 30 or 40 minutes. We've talked about kind of the major topic area is starting off with this whole decision to sell. And there are a lot of subtopics under that. And then moving into talking about what is that sales process like? Because it's a lot more like, you know, selling a house than it is selling a car, you know, or, or, or something like that. So talking through those details. And then one thing I want to focus on at some point is the whole idea of business valuation. What is your business really worth? How can you figure that out now? How can you influence that? What are the things you can do to make it more valuable, make it more sellable? Uh, and then there's, you know, kind of some post-sale topics, I think. So those are kind of our four basic categories we're going to shoot for. Let's start off with um, this decision to sell. You had sent me some information on um, uh, on some topics we could talk about. And one of the things that kind of surprised me was um, the one of your topics was the best time to sell. Uh there's certainly a lot of discussion around why owner sale and that kind of thing. But in terms of, of timing to sell a business, what's what's important for somebody to know about that if they're thinking about making a you know selling their business?
1: Hands down when the business is doing good. I mean, without <laughs> without a question, Ed. And and that's really tough for a seller in my eye, and it, you know, from their perspective, because that's whenever they're most confident with their business. It's whenever Making probably you know the most profit that they've ever made, and it's everything's going good. So maybe they're not allotting as much time to the business. You know, life's good. So why would I want to sell when life's good? But, but at the end of the day, I mean, that is the best the best time to sell the business.
0: And it's the best time because a buyer wants to buy a profitable business, they want to have a pretty high assurance when they. Go take out that loan. Want to write that check or whatever? They want to make sure they're going to get a good return for that investment, right?
1: That's exactly right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um One of the things that I've I've heard about, you know, people unfortunately run into situations where they've not planned to sell their business, or they have thought they might, but they haven't put together a solid plan. And all of a sudden, a divorce, uh, a bad health diagnosis, you know, something they didn't expect comes up, and then they're kind of forced to sell the business that's situations I've seen like that usually end up being not real favorable for the seller. Is that pretty much your experience?
1: It's a hundred percent. My experience, I call those the dismal D's that's a that's, uh, death disease, divorce, partnership dissolution, all the issues that are kind of a fire sale to the seller where you don't get that, you know, natural preparation time to yeah. to properly sell the business for the highest value.
0: And we'll talk a little bit, a little while about the sales process, what that prep looks like. But before we do, um, one of the things, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I had, had done an interview with Aaron Crowley. We've got a couple episodes out of that. He was in a unique situation where he didn't use a broker. It just, uh, when you listen to the podcast the recordings, you'll, you understand that. Um, but obviously you're a broker. And while we're not here to sell your services or mine, I, I personally think that it's really good for a, a business owner who thinks he may sell one day to kind of understand what a, what a broker, what a business broker does. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's worth talking about a little bit. What are some advantages of working with a business broker versus without one?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very interesting to say that because I think probably half of businesses that are sold are maybe sold through a broker. Anytime a seller has the right opportunity, whether that be to pass that business down to a family member, um, they have so, someone that's worked with them in the business, personally, for a long time. And, uh, you know, they're already educated on the business. It's very favorable from a lending standpoint. I always say, you know, John has been in the business for 20 years. He's ran every aspect. He's my right-hand man. That's, that's always going to be your second option to sell the business, right? But beyond that, Where you don't have family, or you don't have that key employee that wants to purchase the business, or it's there. Um, I think having a broker is is probably the next step in line for getting the most out of the business and doing it professionally and properly. So, some some of those key things to um, you know to get on that track is I'm going to help prepare you on what to expect on the sale of the business. So um, having an intermediary like myself can go and approach other business and approach buyers, whether that be through strategic buyers, someone else that's in the industry or also um, outside of the industry and and it still remain confidential. I think that's one of the largest aspects of selling the business is uh, remaining that confidentiality while you as the business owner able to continue to do the day-to-day operations. We know that it's already, you know, you already have a ton on your plate as it is. And now you devote so much time towards the selling process and things on the business side kind of, you
0: know, begin to fall off at the most critical time of selling. Okay. Um, how does, you You made the comment, uh, or at least alluded to the fact that using a broker can, can have, can help, kind of enhance the value of the business. How does how does a broker help um help you get a little bit more for the for your business when you sell it? What's what's that dynamic like? What are the things that you do that help that out? Yeah
1: you know, from a buyer standpoint, I think that anytime a business is being sold through a broker, it and a buyer knows that this is, you know, a one hundred percent real transaction that it should take seriously, right? Because there's so many conversations out there. Yeah, I'll sell my business for the right price. I'll, you know, if the money's there, I'll, I'll do it. Well, never they, never, whenever a seller actually takes the time, the initial investment to gather all the documents, to put together the valuation, to put together 10 to 15 page marketing documents. That buyer knows this is a serious business that's for sale. So whether it's worth their time to look into it, Um, And generally speaking, you know, it's at a price point that is it's what the business is worth. So there's there's kind of two sides to that, right? I mean, I'm building value. A business broker is going to build value for the business, but it's also going to be listed at a price point where the buyer is able to afford as as well from whether that be a discounted cash flow standpoint, um, you know, Whenever they go to purchase the business, they'll get included or whatever that case may be. So it's an educated, it's an educated business for sale.
0: Well, and, and you're talking about business valuation and not so much a for pricing for affordability as much as I think pricing based on a standard approach. That is something that many people use when they're in this, in this venue, when they're trying to figure out, okay, what's, what's, uh, ABC countertops worth? Um, you know, it's got so much inventory. It's got equipment. It's got people. It's got, you know, building and, and land and all that. There are some, we'll talk a little bit further, more detail about how businesses are evaluated. But the fact that the business for sale, number one is officially for sale. I mean, somebody's gone to the trouble of working with a broker, pulling together the package. And we'll talk about that documentation in a minute. Uh, so that makes a seller understand. Okay. The buyer, the, that makes a buyer understand that the seller is serious. Number one is what the first point you made, and the second one is when there's a price point attached to the business. There's some kind con- confidence that that number has been arrived at through a, a, a fairly common methodology, a fairly known methodology, rather than what the business owner, the seller, wishes it was worth. Okay, all right, cool. Um, I'm kind of wondering too. I'm thinking about all right, buying and selling houses. There's so many forms and so many legal things where you got to attest that you don't have lead and all these disclosures and all that you got to sign. And there's, you know, there's this stack of papers you, you get cramps in your hand from signing your name so many times. It would seem like when you go to sell a business, you've got that same dynamic of if real estate is involved in the transaction, there's a lot of legal, you know, eyes to dot, T's to cross. Because it's a business, are there even more of those that you've got to got to be aware of take care of from a seller liability standpoint?
1: You know, in selling a business, yes, there's a lot that goes into it. So, um, you know, it's interesting you say that. I actually market the business. So in the case that it's best favorable for the seller, I, I don't think that there's a better route. The reason I say that is because – I'm marketing the business. So if there is real estate included, someone wants to purchase that real estate, and then, um, then the business seller or the escrow attorney is also going to process that business transaction can actually do the real estate portion as well. So whenever I, you know, whenever I help a business owner, I'm not collecting any fees off of the real estate portion of the business.
0: Okay. Um, Let's talk about fees real quick. We'll probably get in more of this into the sales process, but, you know, with real estate, of course, there've been some, some, some case, some court cases lately may change this, but pretty typical. You've got uh, a listing agent, a selling agent and the total sales commission on the real estate transaction for residential is about 6%, give or take. And usually split that half and half. Uh, does something similar like that exist in the business broker, uh, arena? And also too, what's the fee structure typically look like? Just so that as somebody plans for selling, they can bake that in a little bit.
1: Yeah. It's a, so from a, from a commission standpoint, it's very, very similar. No upfront fees. They don't charge anything upfront, which there's a ton of work involved on that portion for no upfront fees. There's some business brokers out there that may do a retainer of Say $3,500 and then once the business sales, that retainer goes towards the selling price of the business. Um, I don't currently do that. I feel like I want to put my work out there and show that, you know, I'm not getting anything unless the job gets across the finish line. So from a, from a fee structure, I work off of a a double Lehman scale is what it's called. So up to a million dollars is 10%. A million to three million is plus 8%. And then. Um, I sorry, zero to a million is ten percent. One to three million is eight percent. Three to five is six percent. And it, usually anything over that amount is four percent. So yeah. it It's a it's a very competitive with market rates in the business brokerage world. There's probably not a whole lot of sellers out there that are you know typically familiar with that you know right off the bat until they call a couple of brokers. But that is, that's very uh.
0: Okay. All right. Good. That's good. Good for folks to know. Um, one of the things is I talk with clients a lot. Uh, of course, I'm, my core, what I do is change management. People call me. They've got problems. They want to make things better in their business. It means you got to change what you're doing and, and change how you do what you're doing. And one of the things that I use in trying to help gauge motivation for a, a, a prospective client that I'm talking to is trying to get some idea of their exit strategy you know what they they want to fix this problem in their business obviously cuz they got right now pain but sometimes folks call and they want to get their business where it performs better so that when they do decide to exit they can they can get more for it um but you know there's always a conversation I always have a conversation at some point around you know what is your exit strategy talking to a a business owner um, when you talk with folks who are selling businesses, do you find that they've already got a good exit strategy put together? Or is it kind of like half and half, half do, half don't? Um, but what do you typically run into?
1: Generally speaking, on, on normal owner-operated middle market businesses, I would venture to say that most don't have, you know, a good strategic plan in place. And that's not to say that they haven't, you know, it's not something that they're willing to look into. I just don't know that they think about it until the point that they're ready to sell. Mm-hmm. So um, more times than not, you know, we were talking about whether that's death, disease, divorce, all those dismal Disney transaction. Um, they, they may come up a little bit faster than what a business owner will think. Right. Yeah. So in that circumstance, they're not put in a good position to have that strategic sell. Now, if, you know, if they've been in business for a long time, Generally speaking, they have a general idea of when they would like to retire. What I found is we don't necessarily know from a financial standpoint whenever it makes sense for them to retire because sometimes more times than not they think the business is worth more than what it actually is, right? And yeah. i ran into the circumstance it's just the opposite. It was just not quite as common. I thought my business was was isn't worth near what you told me that's you not know, what it's worth. Yeah. those conversations are fewer, so with that being said, um you know for a business owner that is looking to sell um, yeah i I give them guidance. I like to work with the c p a and see what kind of you know what's on their balance sheet as well. Take a deeper dive into the actual financials and say have you had recent depreciation, you know, so at that point, how are the assets going to be allocated for the buyer? Because those have to be agreed upon as well. So we're not only talking about the initial purchase price of the business, but now we're talking about the agreement on um, the new balance sheets that are going to go, you know, that are going to be distributed from the IRS standpoint as well. So you get into asset allocation, you get into, what's, you know, what's the, what are we going to allocate furniture fixtures, expenses towards, what's the goodwill, whether or not there's a non-compete. Um, so all of these different little key items that I think is crucial in the process of you now how are you marketing the business for sale on the front side? Comparisons to you know, how are, between the marketing documents and how are those assets being allocated on the back side? So well,
0: that's a lot of that has to do with business valuation, but that really gets us into the idea of our, how we prepare a business for sale so it gets the best valuation. So that's, that's part of that decision too. Let me, I want to back up a little bit further and get a little earlier in the process and think about exit strategy themselves. Not just how do we prepare the business for, um, for the best value when we do sell, so, but the exit strategy for the owner. I'm going to sell this business. I won't be in the countertop business anymore. I'm going to go do X. You know the, the example I always use, kind of generically, is I'm, you know, a, you got an owner who loves to play golf. He wants to go play all the great golf courses of the world. Well, then what's the, you know, what are the greens fees at St Andrews? Uh, what's it cost to get there? What's it cost to stay there? You know, yeah. put together a list of those golf courses, and and you can start and do a quick spreadsheet. You can start figuring out how much money do we need, you know. And so that's part of that exit strategy. I had uh, one client really early in my career, a family-owned business. And, uh, they didn't have an exit strategy because their whole idea was the family got together once a quarter, figured out how much profit they had in the business, allocated a little bit for themselves, but the rest of it, they figured out what, what charities they were going to give the money away to. And that was their whole reason for being in business. Um, and so I, I'm thinking in terms of the business owner, uh, from a personal perspective, all right, at some point, I want to not run this business anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to the kids. I'm going to sell it to, the employees do an ESOP. I'm gonna, you know, sell it to the to the ops manager or the shop manager because he wants to buy it. He or she wants to buy it. Um, but it's it's that whole process for once I quit doing this, what am i am I then gonna do? You know, I love to fish. I'm gonna go join the Bassmaster circuit. How much is the boat? You know, what's the travel cost? You know, you can put numbers and all that. But I think the point that I'm I'm trying to get at is, from your perspective. What what are some of the better exit strategies you've seen in terms of what people have decided they wanted to do after they sold the business?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question. There's a lot of different uh, scenarios in that you know from that standpoint. And so, man, yeah, that being said, you know I've I've heard some things that if a business owner works until they're 72 in the business, they're probably going to die with the business. And what that means is is you know, they don't have the intention to sell. Either it's already at that family member stage, or they just want to be a part of the business because it's, it's their livelihood. It's what they've done their whole life. So, um, I think it's very important. I don't think that I think you should have that that in mind whenever you go to sell your business. I think it's hard to, you know, the idea is, is I'm going to drink, you know, I'm going to play golf and drink beer all day. But in all reality, that wears off a lot faster than you know what they think. I think there is a six-month purge session there that it kind of, you know, that they take and they enjoy. But then after six months to maybe a year, they're like, now what? Now what do I do? So, um you know, through it's, I've seen a lot of different scenarios. I've seen it where you know, business owners, they have something else that they want to do. They're burnt out on the industry that they've been doing for so long. And they they already have an idea and something that, you want to go pursue, and that may be a, something as small as, you know, a business that makes forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. Whenever they're used to making a couple hundred or, you know, half a million, so um I've also seen it where they just want to take a step back on the business. You know, they they're done seller training, but they don't want to be the go-to guy for everything. So now they now they uh, work twenty hours a week in the business uh, to help out the new help out the new buyer. Um, you know, for the business that they're so familiar with, and they come on as a as a part-time consultant for them. You know, so seeing every situ, a lot of different situations, and I think ultimately that's just up to the business owner and what what kind of their aspirations are. You mentioned they may have another business, maybe they have some real estate that uh, they're going to invest that money in now, you know, and and do that. So a little bit more passive income rather than. Taking so much time on, the, you know, on their personal behalf.
0: Yeah. I can tell from experience, uh, working with business owners, the ones who have a better sense of what they want to do after their business, after this business, those business owners tend to be more successful in their current business because they're, they're viewing their business as a vehicle. It's not their identity. And and one of the challenges I think that that business owners run into is that you know as as males in our society uh, what we do for a living is a big definition of who we are. You know, you think about that, you know, right up ten floors in elevator and you meet a stranger and you know who are you know what's your name and what do you do? The the what do you do is kind of who I am. And so when you when you have put blood, sweat, and tears into the countertop business for you know a few decades, a decade or two or three or whatever. And all of a sudden you're not doing that anymore. It kind of changes your sense of self, your sense of identity. And so I think that's, that's important to prepare for. Um, you talk about folks, you know, going and, and fishing and, or drinking beer and, and playing golf. It only lasts so long. I know I had a client that had built a really successful company before the recession. He made center console fishing boats, the 18 to 26 foot, you know, runabout types, uh, center consoles. And was very successful, built a great brand, and it got bought out before the recession. And the dude was an avid outdoorsman, loved to hunt, loved to fish, you know, the whole bit. And I ran into him, she was probably ten, fifteen years later. And lo and behold, he had because of the recession, that blank that brand had gone under because they were bought by a large conglomerate that you know shut down some of the brands during the recession. So he went back and bought the brand name back and restarted the company. And I asked him, I said, what, 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 why'd you want to do this? And he said, well, you know, there's only so much hunting and fishing a guy can do in his life before it gets old. You know, okay. he just didn't have anything else he wanted to go do. He had plenty of money, but you know, all of a sudden his, his son who was, was a kid when he sold was now a teenager and he wanted a boat. And so they, he said, Hey dad, can we build a boat together? And next thing you know, he was renting out a building and hiring people and building boats again, same brand a whole bit. So um kind of a best laid plans deal but yeah there's only so much beer drinking golf and hunting and fishing a person can do i think and and not go crazy so having a plan i think is important whatever that is um and again clients i've worked with and i've worked with dozens of this industry and literally hundreds of other industries people who want to run their own business when they have a good plan for where they're headed they typically will have more successful businesses it's the ones who treat it as a lifestyle uh, they are what I call the long pole in the tent. You know, you pull that owner out of the business, the whole thing collapses because it's built on them. Those are the ones that struggle to sell the business and they struggle to be really successful in their current business. Uh, so, yeah, I think those are all important parts. Um, as we look at this front end part of, the, of the, the sales decision, before we get into the details of the sales process in the next episode, any additional thoughts, any closing thoughts you've got to kind of wrap up this topic area?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you've hit on a lot of great topics and, um yeah, I mean, you, you gotta have a purpose for what you're doing. So, well, no, I think it's, well, I don't have any, uh, anything specific that I'd like to go over.
0: I think you summed it up well. Having a purpose is, uh, is really key and knowing what that is, having some definition around it. So that wraps up our first episode with Chase Busenbark. Hopefully you found that information very helpful for you as you start considering, do you want to sell your business, when to sell it, how to sell it, that sort of thing. Our next episode, we'll get a little more detail of the sales process, so you can understand how all this works and how it pulls together. And then as I mentioned earlier, our last episode, the third one with Chase, we'll talk about business valuation and then some takeaways and some post-sale considerations. Until next time, happy fabricating.